All right, let's go. I'm Patrick Brady. Of Chinbro. Right. Pat Brady of Chinbro, host of... Co-host. Thank you, Ryan. Co-host of Maine Better... Transportation Association. <laughs> Orion, you're ruining the introduction. I'm Sorry. the co-host of Maine Better, where we discuss community and connection for the Maine Better... Now you can say Transportation Association. Right, Maine Better Transportation Association, and I'm Orion Breen. Of Global Partners. <laughs> I do like being interrupted. With us today is Representative Trey Stewart, who is running for the District 2 seat of the Maine Senate. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful morning here in Arista County, and it's going to be a great day. Isn't anybody going to ask me how I'm doing? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Orion. How are you doing today? I'm a little nervous. This is our first episode. Well, you're doing just fine. Really? Uh, no, not really. But anyways, <laughs> Trey, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you were running? Yeah, sure. Um, so I grew up in Presque Isle. I uh, went to Presque Isle High School, graduated there in 2012. When I was at UMaine, um, worked in politics a little bit, worked for uh, Bruce Poliquin, did a lot of veterans casework uh, in his uh, office up here, helping veterans in Aroostook County. That sort of introduction, I guess, got me uh, thinking about running myself for office. And in 2016, I decided to, was successful and became the youngest member of the legislature, still am the youngest member of the legislature. And there's an opportunity to run for the state Senate um, uh, in this district. And in my four years in the House, I've come to learn a lot about um, Aroostook County, uh, the challenges that we have here, learned a lot about myself too. And, and I think the role that I can play in addressing some of those challenges, uh, particularly in regards to uh, workforce. Uh, we've got a, a, an aging demographic up here, um, you know, being young and, and looking at how do we attract other young folks uh, to Aroostook County, back to Aroostook County, and then retain the ones that we do have, I think um, has been a, a, a valuable uh, part of my service over the last four years and hopefully my service uh, soon in the Senate as well. You know, it's a huge district. 51 uh, towns and communities from, you know, Presque Isle and Fort Fairfield all the way down to Lee and then northern Penobscot County. So um, it's been interesting, particularly these days, trying to get out and, and talk with folks there, but it's been a lot of fun too. And I was going to ask you, what's the, uh, what's the worst road in your district? But it's such a big district. It might be quicker to just ask, what's a road that doesn't need fixing in your district? <laughs> it doesn't need, well, I will say, um, so in Presque Isle in particular on uh, Griffin Street, which is a street that's right in front of the high school, they just uh, uh, redid that street and it's now like one of the better roads in, in, in town. Um, but prior to that, I, it was like weekly, I was getting a call about Griffin Street. It's such a high uh, travel road too, because there's a high school, a middle school, um, the police station fire department are right around, the, right around the corner. The problem is it was one of those orphan roads. It's sort of like the state thinks it's a local road, but the local government thinks it's a state road. And so nobody wants to maintain it. <laughs> and it ends up getting sort of shoved to the back of the line on a wait list to get uh, redone. And, and for literally like seven years, it's been just sort of neglected, but they just redid it this summer and it's now great. I haven't gotten any more phone calls about that street. But <laughs> <laughs> Who adopted the road? Uh, I think it was a state project. Uh, they ultimately, uh, the state ultimately uh, stepped up and, and took care of it. Now that the high schoolers can drive up and down the road, annoying people nonstop. Uh, <laughs> and my, and well, I grew up in rural Maine and, you know, we just, we'd be like, there's no place to go. So we just get in the car 
and drive around at night right. with no yeah. destination. Yeah, that was a fun Friday way to way to burn a Friday night right there. You know, just drive around with your buddies. If as long as every, you just had to have somebody that was old enough to drive, right? Because <laughs> if you didn't, then uh, that, that was kind of a challenge. You're walking a lot. In high school, what was your dream car, and is your dream car different now than it was in high school? Well, it's definitely different now um, because I now drive a truck. And it's true what they say about, and I'm a big guy, you know, I'm six two. So for me, I went from a, you know, a, a car that's low to the ground to uh, a pickup truck. And I can tell you, I'm not going back. <laughs> <laughs> Once you do that, it's, it's tough to, you know, go back down to, you know, crawling into a car instead of, uh, you know, jumping into a truck. But I like my Dodge. I've got a Dodge 2016 Dodge. And, and honestly, I've put uh, over a hundred thousand miles on it since I uh, got into the legislature. And at this point, I'm probably going to be locked into just driving that thing into the dirt, which is fine by me because it's, it's a great truck. And it's actually not bad on gas either because it's a V6, which my little brother gives me all sorts of heck about because he drives a Hemi and, you know, oh, there's not enough gusto in, <laughs> in your truck or whatever, you know, but uh, it's good on gas, which is is good for what I've been <laughs> up to the last four years and, and campaign and, you know, it's a good campaign vehicle. I could put all my signs in the back and not have to worry about driving around to wherever and it's all good. <laughs> How many miles is that to Augusta? Uh, let's see, 230-ish miles one way. When you're on mic, right? That's the one thing they tell you, like, don't do any math live on mic, all right? It's just, a lot, okay. just say it's a lot. <laughs> That's right, that's right, it's a bunch. Yeah, it's wicked fast. <laughs> Trey, what are some of the specific transportation challenges that uh, your district faces? Well, it's big and uh, it's very rural. Um, and so, you know, I think we're going to have a real challenge. A lot of these local municipalities don't have huge budgets, right? And, and paving roads is expensive. A um, buddy of mine uh, works for Lane Construction. He tells me all the time, you know, prices are going up, prices are going up. It's getting more and more expensive to pave roads and keep them maintained. And ultimately you get faced with um, some tough decisions about, you know, so you take the Griffin Street, you know, example, right? Where you get the, the dynamic of orphan roads too uh, in some of these smaller towns, but folks still have an expectation that um, first of all, they're going to be safe, right? Um, and second of all, that they're going to be, well-maintained and, you know, not be riddled with potholes. I mean, you know, I could close my eyes going down that street before and tell you where every pothole is, right? And I think it's really going to be um, underscored now with uh, the loss of uh, the gas tax revenue from the summer um, in tourism season. You know, our, our state budget, it's going to be pretty strapped, right? We're seeing the projections come in $1.4 billion, uh, billion dollar shortfall. Ultimately, you know, the state has had a tendency to just rely on bonding um, and we'll just send out another bond. We'll do another bond. We'll do another hundred million dollars, do another $150 million. I mean, and you got to fill those gaps somehow, but the model we've got right now is not very sustainable in my opinion. Um, and, you know, when you, you talk to folks that are down in Augusta that are doing, uh, you know, they're on the transportation committee. I think there's sort of a consensus there too, that that, that model that of just relying on the gas tax, particularly as vehicles get more and more fuel efficient over time, they're driving longer. We've got this model that's based on vehicles, you know, going 12 to 15, you know, miles per gallon. Well, now they're going 25 or 30 in some cases, and then you got electric vehicles, they're not paying any gas tax, but they're still consuming the pavement on the road. Um, it's a challenge. 
And it's one that, um, you know, we're going to, and maybe this is the time to do it, right? Reassess uh, as we we're, we're going to have to reassess a lot of things uh, and in terms of state government and how we plan for budgeting um, and spending and taxing and all those other things. Um, we're going to have to figure out a new model there. I think in general, this may be a good time to have that discussion too about what the future of transportation funding looks like. Cause if the state doesn't do it, then it falls on the backs of localities and localities really only have, um, well, they've got vehicle registration to some extent, but the big one is property tax, right? And nobody likes property taxes. Uh, I certainly don't. I pay them here in Presque Isle on my house and um, it's never a fun time. They're coming right up around the corner here um, and you got to budget accordingly, right? And plan accordingly. But if, um, if the state doesn't step up, uh, to some extent to help fill those gaps, um, we're going to be faced with either less safe and more beat up roads or uh, a higher tax burden on the local side to try to fix those. And neither of those are good options. Well, thanks to your brother for paying more than his fair share of gas tax with his Hemi. Oh yeah, he burns it. He, he burns it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think are some specifics that the state can do to help? Well, I mean, of course, the big one um, in terms of the on, the on the local government side is revenue sharing. Um, you know, that's a function of the sales tax. We're moving in the right direction there. Um, at the same time, you know, one of my priorities has actually been on, on the Republican side, making sure that what we devote in terms of state resources for uh, local governments, local property tax burdens is actually a direct form of relief for folks that are, that are paying. Um, revenue sharing doesn't guarantee that, right? It may, it may not, right? Particularly this year, if folks have projects coming up, if they get a boost in revenue sharing, they're probably going to spend it on one of those projects. But at the same time, you've got folks that are particularly seniors and those that are on fixed incomes um, getting taxed out of their homes because they can't afford to pay the property tax burden. Uh, and I'm in one of those communities, right? Presque Isle has a, a very high mill rate. Um, and then we have a lot of, you know, neighborhoods and towns around us that have a lower one that are sort of bedroom communities. You know, I think there's got to be a balance there, right? So and the Republicans in, in the last budget um, made sure that that would be the case by uh, including um, an, an increase in the homestead exemption in addition to the revenue sharing, right? So we said, sure, we're happy to go along with um, revenue sharing, but we want to make sure that there's definitely a guarantee that there'll be some sort of property tax uh, relief in the form of an increased uh, exemption on the homestead. So um, I think whatever you do, you have to take, you know, keep that in mind that at the end of the day, folks are still struggling. You know, we had some progress there. There's more work to do. We need to do better at that. At the same time, we're going to be in tough financial times. You know, I don't want to mince words about that. I don't, I don't want to paint a picture that is anything less than realistic. And um, it's going to be tough, I think, for, for a while. Uh, you know, I hope that the federal government um, can help with that and alleviate some of those uh, uh, pressures on lost revenues. Uh, you know, I think that's the right thing to do. I know that there's uh, hesitance in DC to, you know, bail out some of these other states that have not been operating as responsibly financially. Um, in Maine, you know, it comes down to tourism season, right? And we basically lost our tourism season. Um, and, and I don't think that trend is going to change very much between now and the end of, you know, Labor Day, basically. So if that's the case, um, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to need some help. And, uh, you know, we're a poor state already, uh, one of the poorer ones in the country. 
Um, we can't expect the residents of Maine to be filling the gaps from a lost tourism season uh, in the form of any sort of tax increase on them. So uh, we're going to have some tough decisions to make here coming up uh, in the legislature. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be rough for a little while, but I'm confident that we can get through it together and, um, you know, continue to, to work across the aisle to come up with a uh, package that will be realistic um, and also, uh, you know, continue to address the needs of, of Maine people, and particularly on the safety side of things, you know, roads and bridges, they have to still get built, right? We, we know that. And one of the worst things we could do is let that infrastructure deteriorate, which then is going to cause less folks next year to want to actually come here and drive on our roads um, and pay our gas tax, which we need, right? Um, so it, it's, it's going to be a challenge, but I uh, firmly believe that we're up to it. What do you like or respect about your Democratic opponent, Michael Carpenter? Sure, that's a good question. Uh, and I, I've known Mike since uh, before I was even interested in politics. I come from a family of attorneys. My grandfather was an attorney. My dad was an attorney. He's known our family for a long time. We've known him for a long time. You know, the first time that he ran for the legislature, he was about my age. Um, and so I, I certainly respect uh, his dedication to public service. Uh, you know, over the years, he's, he's, he's been there a long time. Um, you know, I, and I think that his commitment to the state of Maine is, is very, certainly respectful, uh, impressive. You know, the fact that he was attorney general, obviously that's impressive, um, you know, and I, and I uh, appreciate all that he's done during his tenure. Um, you know, I, I'm not even running against Mike. I don't view it as I'm running against Mike, right? I view this race as, you know, I'm running for the folks here in Aroostook County um, to try to do something for the next generation of, of folks up here and to try to change the course that we're on. Because if we don't, it's going to be my generation that bears the brunt of those consequences. Why do you think it's good to have a perspective like yours that's more of a younger perspective than the typical legislator? Even though I'm young by legislative standards, right? I mean, I'm 26, but that's considered, I'm still the youngest one down there, right? But that said, I, I, know that I'm effective. I mean, I passed more legislation last year than any other Republican in the state. I think that's a testament to the fact that if you find those issues where you can agree with folks across the aisle, focus on them, right? And, and keep working them and be sure to do and stay focused on the things that folks back home actually care about, right? Um, we talked about workforce. You know, workforce is a huge issue uh, up here. Um, you know, there's, there's like a third of, of our working age population that's completely disassociated from it for one reason or another. Um, making sure that we're not losing sight of that, right? You can, it's easy to go down there and get caught up in the partisan rhetoric and, and get frustrated at folks across the aisle because how could you not agree with us on this, that, or the other thing? Uh, and, then, and then you lose the initiative, right? And the initiative needs to be, how do I take care of the folks who sent me there? And that's what I've worked hard to remain focused on. Um, that's what I've done. You know, the numbers speak for themselves in that regard. Um, but you also got to have a short-term memory, right? You can't, you can't let things that happened yesterday dictate the way that today is going to go. Uh, because if that happens, then nothing's going to get done. It's just going to be more of the same sort of partisan gridlock. Um, you know, we're finding ways to work together on the issues that matter, particularly to the folks that you represent. That's, that's the best way to move forward in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, red or blue, we're all Mainers. At the end of the day, we all drive the same roads and, and we all gotta work together to get where we wanna go. 
Well, that's all we have time for today. So thank you so much for joining us, Trey. Thank you guys. I had a lot of fun with this. This has been uh, definitely one of the more fun interviews I've done in a long time. So thanks for that. Uh, appreciate it. Appreciate the offer and, uh, you know, appreciate the work that you guys are doing to, to make sure that main roads stay safe uh, and uh, well-funded and, uh, you know, in good shape. So thank you guys. Thank, thank you, you so much.